0: the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens.
1: Happy Saturday, pet lovers. Welcome to our first episode of 2017 for Pet Lover Geek on Voice America, and it's going to be a really fun one today. It's actually a little bit off the beaten path of what we normally do. Uh, Before we get started, I want to talk about one of the fabulously ridiculous things that the internet and social media has brought into our lives. I'm sure you've noticed over the past few years there are more and more of these national and international days of celebration for one thing or another. You know, you see in your Facebook or your Twitter feeds are all full of this, hey, it's National Donut Day, or today's National Bacon Day, or National Puppy Day, you name it, there's probably a day for it. And uh, I've actually been paying a lot more attention to this since I started working on Pet Lover Geek because, you know, there's a lot of these days that are great inspiration for really fun episodes to do. So, um, in fact, today uh, today's episode is inspired by two totally unimportant but massively awesome days that were celebrated this past week. They are geeky. A wonderful thing. So Monday was National Science Fiction Day. That's January 2nd. For those of you who don't know, January 2nd is the birthday of Isaac Asimov, uh, one of the greatest uh, authors ever of, of, of uh, science fiction. And then the other day that was fabulous this past week was National Trivia Day. And it was on J- uh, Wednesday, the 4th. And uh, The dudes that started uh, Trivia Pursuit were believed to have started this day. They're actually Canadian, but uh, it's a day where we celebrate all those silly, fun little tidbits uh, that we gather in our lives that are called trivia. So I had this notion that wouldn't it be fun to combine uh, those two things with my love of all things dog, cat, and geek into a show that celebrates all the... Tons of fun trivia about dogs, cats, and all other kinds of animals that are used in science fiction and fam- fantasy films and television, and um, just geek out on those for for the next hour. So that's what we're going to do today. Sit back, relax, hopefully you'll learn some really great gems, some behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, and then you can wow your future party guests uh, should you run out of smartphone photos, <laughs> uh, if that's ever possible. Um and really great, fun stuff. And I've invited a good friend of mine, Megan Servant, to come on the show today to help uh, guide us through our pets in space. Uh, she not only has a degree in film study from Columbia University, but she is also the most badass trivia night player I've ever Known, she's downright scary when it comes to trivia action. I've seen her; it's 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 no trivial matter for when Megan is dealing with trivia. So I've invited her on the show, Megan. I can't wait to hear all this fabulous <laughs> trivia you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, also to help with today's fun I've asked our favorite geek Tom Arnold to join me remember Tom is the founder and chief technology officer of Pet Hub He's also the, uh, the, Pet Hub is also the generous sponsor of this show so thank you very much for that and thank you so much for joining me today
2: thanks for and having Megan, me back
1: <laughs> I'll <laughs> come sh-
2: back anytime and you're right Megan is scary when it comes to trivia
1: <laughs> <laughs> he really she really is She's, She's a force to be reckoned with okay so let's jump right on in uh, we have a lot of films that we want to cover today uh, and actually we're going to start not with films but with television um so we're going to start with probably one of the ultimate fan favorite sci-fi things out there star trek and uh, movies and tv shows that have featured all sorts of animals and i want to start back with the original show Uh, and i'm going to actually lean first on tom with this because he is a star trek aficionado and uh St- tom um the first episode that megan's got a little bit of fun trivia for us is catspaw can you give us a super high level premise of what happens in that episode
2: sure cat's paw. so um uh, Kirk and his landing party, they go down to the planet and it's all kind of eerie. It's like Halloweeny. it's a dark castle, and it's wailing witches and zombies and a black cat. And they soon learn that this is all under the influence of a wizard, and he's trying to bend them to his will. And they also learn that the black cat is a lot more than just a black cat. She's actually a witch named Sylvia. And the wizard and witch are explorers from another galaxy and and uh, basically trying to um, make Kirk and Spock and his crewmates uh, their own little zombies of their own mindless uh, followers. And and it kind of goes from there, and they need to get out of it somehow. Right.
1: Okay, cool. So there's a cat that's featured very prominently, obviously, in the cat's paw. Megan, what fun little bit of trivia do you have for us from that episode?
3: Well, uh, one of the roars from... Uh, the cat was and ended up being recycled As the trademark growl for Bowser In various games such as Mario Party And Mario Golf
1: <laughs> oh, I think That's that random. is <laughs> That's So awesome. random So hilarious So if you have any Mario fans You can say, hey, do you know That that growl is from The original Star Trek series? <laughs> That's awesome. And I have I have a fun little bit of trivia from original Star Trek series, too, Megan. I don't know if you know this one or not. Tom, you remember the episode called Enemy Within?
2: Yeah. Yeah, actually.
1: it's It's got a, uh, a this creature in it called Alpha. Alpha
2: 177, yeah. I think. Or yeah, something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so my God, I'm a geek. R- Random like that, yeah. Okay, so I have two fun trivia questions. I want to see if either of you uh, know the answers to these. So first, you know, if you've seen the episode, you know, it's this fluffy, cute, little tan mutt dog uh, that was on the actual show. But what type of treat creature did the script actually originally call for? Uh, and, and they had even filmed uh, a teaser with Kirk uh, holding this type of creature. What, what, what was it?
2: I don't know. Tom, do you have any guesses? Uh, I don't. I'll take a wombat for $100, Alex.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, no, this is hilarious. It was actually supposed to be a sheep-like creature, and they had had this stuffed animal that kind of looked a little bit like a sheep, and they had uh, used it to do this teaser, but then they realized they couldn't figure out how to make it work for an actual animal to be living in the episode. So even though they pre-filmed the (laughs) teaser, they turned it into this dog-like creature that we all come to know and love that looks like a little unicorn uh, thing. Okay, (laughs) so... (laughs) It's totally random. But here's the second trivia question. What episode of uh, Star Trek featured the mounted head of Alpha-177? Oh. All right, you're losing serious geek cred with me. I'm sorry, (laughs) sorry. Wait,
2: wait. This This was the the Trelane, the guy who ends up being like... You know, the yeah. child, the, you know, yeah. okay now, Trelane, you know, he's basically yeah. realized he's a kid.
1: Yes. Okay, so Trelane, exactly, Tom. That The episode was called The Squire of oh. Gothos, and he has all these weird things in this castle, and he kidnaps the crew to play with them. And one of the things you see very briefly on the wall is the mounted head of that little dog. Geek so make a drop. <laughs> All right, now Megan, I know you have some other really fun uh, trivia that was from the later series of Star Trek World. Uh, Tell us about the pets from both Next Generation and Enterprise. Uh,
3: Well, on Next Generation, uh, if you remember Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner's character, they both had pets. Uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Captain Picard had the fish Livingston, and Data had a cat named Spot. Uh, They both hated their pets. Uh, Stewart Patrick Stewart objected to the idea of keeping any life form in captivity since the series argued for the freedom of every species. Uh, but Brent Spiner just hated cats in general. And I did th- know that. <laughs> and uh, it, eventually Ronnie Cox uh, ended up agreeing with Patrick Stewart and uh, he decided that when uh, Picard uh, took command of the ship, uh, Livingston could go away. However, uh, there is uh, the fish has its own trading card In Star Trek, the next generation card series And uh, as another fun fact The fish was named after the show's Line producer, David Livingston Oh that's funny oh, that's
2: cool. I like the cat, I like Data's cat I like how it devolved into a lizard Yeah <laughs> and, and,
1: oh, Here's an interesting piece of trivia About the lizard So so first of all, Megan uh, or, or Tom what, what was the gender of Spot Data's cat Oh, a girl. It was a girl. But at the original part of the series, uh, they they had thought it was going to be a boy. And uh, that's why I have the name spot and everything like that. And then a later episode, she got pregnant, obviously, and had kittens. But when she devolved into the kittens, excuse me, into the lizard, she was wearing a pink collar, which I thought was really kind of (laughs) funny. Totally random. Mm. All right, so Megan, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about the movie I Am Legend. Uh, For those of you who have not seen the movie yet, you really should. It's a great film, but prepare to be wrecked. Uh, I was completely wrecked when I saw this movie. And it's really because of uh, the relationship between Will Smith's character and the dog, Abby. Really incredible behind-the-scenes stuff, too, about how that relationship was developed. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah,
3: so uh, Will Smith really wanted to... The relationship between him and Abby to seem real um so before they started filming Will Smith uh went on dates with Abby so he could get to know her better
1: oh that's awesome and didn't he like totally
3: fall in love with her he did uh he he grew so enamored of her that he wanted to adopt her when filming was finished but the dog's trainer loved her so much that uh they couldn't give
1: her up and, and didn't the dog's trainer like find her like randomly right before they started filming
3: uh, they did. Uh, they found her in a kennel, and Abby had the right look but had never been trained, so the trainer, he only had a few weeks to get her up to speed, so the fact that he was able to to get her ready to film a huge blockbuster movie is, is kind of crazy.
1: And he had to do some really interesting things, too, to get her to do what he needed to tell us about some of those
3: he did So one of the things was uh, In order to make her limp um, Obviously they don't want to hurt the animal And they're also not allowed to do that So what they did was They put a piece of tape on Abby's paw In order to, to make her limp
1: Oh, that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> I, lo- I love hearing stuff like that Because when you watch it She's she's so pathetic when she's limping You're like, oh my god And to know that it's just a piece of tape It makes me feel a little bit better Apparently I going.
2: could be an animal <laughs> trainer Because I've done that to my cats and dogs <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think we all have actually, and and tell us about the the zombie dogs that were in there. I thought that was an interesting piece of trivia too.
3: Uh, so the movies, the zombie dogs, they were based on Mexican hairless dogs that uh, the trainer also owned.
1: Oh wow, those are scary in the movie. I mean, I know that it's CGI. I know that they've you know done things to make the dogs look like, even scarier, but they're terrifying. So, like I said, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and see it. it but just be prepared to be wrecked. Remember, my favorite yeah. app is Does the Dog Die, and that will come in handy for that one. <laughs> Very important app. Uh, let's switch gears just a little bit. Something much less depressing, a lot more fun. Harry Potter. Uh, Megan, uh, you sent me over tons of trivia about Harry Potter. So let's just jump right in. First film, tell us about the owls. Oh, by the way, I want to say real quick about the owls. It needs to be noted that it is illegal to own an owl in most parts of the United States, but it is perfectly legal in the UK where Harry Potter was set. Uh, I only mentioned this because there was a lot of people that were worried about that at the beginning of the film. And we are personally not advocating owls for pets. But, Megan, you have a lot of interesting stuff about those owls.
3: Yeah. So um, all the owls that are used in the film were actually shipped over from Massachusetts. Uh, And the three owls that played Hedwig uh, were named Gizmo, Ook, and Sprout. But Gizmo was the main owl.
1: Awesome. And there were six, I read somewhere, there were 16 total owls of different shapes and sizes to do all of those different scenes with the male and and there was some other fun stuff from that movie, too, right?
3: Yeah. So, uh, for instance, Fluffy, the three-headed dog, his appearance is physically based on the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Um, let's see. Uh, that's mostly my Sorcerer's Stone trivia. Um, moving on to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, Dobby's ears were based on an art department dog named Max that used to sit under the designer's
1: desk. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I've seen a lot. Actually, I see a lot of chihuahuas, and I'm like, oh, my God, Dolby, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately,
3: on the the set of Chamber of Secrets, um, well, Emma Watson, who plays Hermione Granger, she had a pet hamster named Millie that she brought on set every day. And sh- um, shortly after shooting began, Millie passed away. And so the set department for the film created a specially made hamster coffin with a with a velvet lining and the name Millie engraved on the top and the whole cast had a send off a crew had a send off for Millie the hamster
1: oh my uh, gosh that's probably like the the, wow. the biggest the biggest uh funeral ever for a hamster probably I believe that is what Emma Watson
3: said I don't think a hamster has ever had a better send off <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a lot of animals used in Prisoner of Azkaban
3: too right there were. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban actually has the highest number of real animals used in the series. Um, the bats that are seen flying around Hagrid's hut, those are real, and they're particularly challenging to train. Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe noted that they actually tended to urinate everywhere. Uh, oh my and gosh. <laughs> in order to keep the bats under control, they had to use food rewards, especially banana. Oh, I didn't know
2: that. Oh, so they were like fruit bats then? Because uh, those are typically kind of huge bats.
3: Possibly, uh, well, the crows also seen in the latter part of the film. Um, they're African uh, pied crows, and they're raised in captivity in California. Uh, as crows bred in captivity are far easier to train than wild crows, and but and those crows can typically be found throughout Africa.
1: Oh, wow. And and I know that there was a, a bit of trivia, too, about uh, Sirius, who, as those of you who are Harry Potter fans will remember, is an animagus who uh, turns into a dog. Tell us about that.
3: Uh, so Padfoot, Sirius Black's canine form, uh, was played by a Scottish deerhound named Claude. Um, let's see. And then also uh talk a little bit about crookshanks hermione's cat uh it was played by two persian red cats uh crackerjack and pumpkin and the way they got them to look uh particularly mangy uh if you remember from the books uh, and the films crookshanks is uh, not the most attractive of cats right uh <laughs> They would save the cat's shedded fur, they would roll it into balls, and clip it onto the cats
2: in order to (laughs) achieve
3: the appearance of Crookshanks. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: (laughs) I'm going to have to look for that next time I see that movie.
1: And didn't, uh, I can't remember what movie it was in, but didn't one of the cats
3: actually like run away? Actually, yeah, and that was Sorcerer's Stone, the tabby cat that was used uh, to play Professor McGonagall's an omega's form, Uh, ran away during filming and came back two days later, which is probably good news. Didn't have to find another cat.
1: Totally. That cat needed a a, a pet hub ID tag. (laughs) 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 There you go. (laughs) awesome well this is great stuff um you listen hang 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 tight everybody because we're going to come back in just a minute we've got a couple more really great films that we're going to cover uh some some we're going to look at a little bit of uh alien series and we're also going to look at back to the future uh, and a couple more things so hang tight we've got some more great behind the scenes trivia coming up when we return on pet lover geek
4: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at one 472 5788 Again, that's one 866 472 five seven eight eight Feeling shy You can also send an email to pet at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to pet Lover Geek. Today we are digging into that fun geeky trivia from the world of pets in sci-fi and fantasy films and TV. As Tom uh, Arnold mentioned in our break, we are having high geek factor today, um, and today we're going to go into another movie uh, film series that is most beloved by geeks from around the world, and I'm talking about the Alien series. Uh, and and for those of us who who love uh, sci-fi but who also hate seeing animals hurt, this is a this is a series of much angst for me personally. Um, now Jones the cat was a prominent part of the first film. Uh, she uh, I had serious uh, heart palpitations throughout the film uh, watching for her Um, but uh, it all ends up well for her but Megan tell us some really great trivia that you dug up about Jonesy
3: so uh, basically in order to get Jonesy the cat to react fearfully to the descending alien uh, they had to take a German shepherd and they placed it in front of him with a screen between the two so the cat wouldn't see the German shepherd and then they would suddenly remove the screen in order to make Jones stop advancing and start hissing Um, also another fun uh, fun bit of trivia Uh, so the first day that they shot a scene involving Jonesy, Sigourney Weaver's skin started to react really badly and so she was horrified because she thought oh man, I must be allergic to cats and uh, it's going to be easier to recast me instead of finding four more identical cats that will uh, that are trained to work on a film Uh, and it some more Sigourney Weaver trivia. I think her only previous credit to the, before this film was like tall woman at party in Annie Hall. So she didn't really have. <laughs> uh,
2: so was she allergic to cats then? or was She it was not else? allergic
3: to cats. Actually, she was allergic to the glycerin that had been sprayed on her skin that was used to make her look hot and sweaty.
2: Oh, so, I had that same problem. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and
1: they they had four cats that played jonesy right they
2: did yes
1: and they were were they all male or female do you do you know i'm not sure actually i think i think i read somewhere that 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 even though jonesy is supposed to be male like all the cats were female or something like that which because you know women are are quicker learners than Uh men (laughs) um now um I have to say that that again, does the dog die is is a lifesaver for movies like Aliens. But Jonesy Jonesy does make it. However, ugh, the next bit of trivia that you're going to share with us from this series comes from Alien Three, and I have to tell you, uh, it's the least favorite of my series. I I almost walked out of the film because of what happens to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of the film. I'm so not tell-
2: remembering this. What happened
1: oh. Megan, tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes uh from from the what happens with the dog. Uh
3: so the dog in Alien 3 is a Rottweiler, um, from which the alien emerges from the Rottweiler. And uh they had to have part of the dog's face shaved in order to indicate where the face hugger had gripped him, um, so they could, you know, do all the uh CGI and uh creature design stuff later on in order to make sure that the dog was was comfortable Um, also originally um, they used an actual dog in an alien costume uh, even though they ended up using um, a rod puppet uh, for the alien that hatched from the dog
1: Right, because the dog the, the the new alien was supposed to like absorb part of the DNA of the host kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that that and I had to tell you, that that scene I just I had the hardest time, and I nearly left the film the movie theater at that point. Um, however, I think it was really interesting. Um, now I have not seen what is called the assembly cut, but had. Uh, the Assembly Cut been the theatrical version, I might have had a better time with it because uh, what I've read is that the creature that was the original host creature uh, that gets um, taken over by the alien on the prison planet was actually more of an ox-cow kind of a creature. Megan, have you seen that Assembly Cut? I haven't seen the Assembly Cut, no. Uh,
3: I'm more of a fan of the first two Alien movies.
1: Yeah, as Uh, am I. I I mean, I I think the director of... um, uh, the, the third, uh, who wasn't James Cameron, uh, actually was so upset with all of the uh, interference that he had that he really wasn't happy with it either. And the assembly cut was an attempt to get it to closer to what he so, wanted it
5: to be.
2: So when Megan said that, that there was a, a Roddy in an actual costume, it, I couldn't help but flash to the YouTube video of the dachshund that's in the spider costume that goes running through the field. <laughs> You guys need to look it up if you haven't seen it.
1: Definitely. Sorry. I'll, I'll have I'll to pray. share that on social media, but it is it is an awesome thing. All right, well, let's switch to something a little bit less traumatic for me. Um, let's switch to Back to the Future, cute and fluffy puppies. Um, so I love yeah. the dogs that are in uh, this series. So tell us a little bit about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with Einstein. Uh,
3: so um, something interesting, uh, you know how you've been talking about how uh, – you get really nervous whenever there are uh, dogs and cats in uh, in movies. Um, apparently, they did not tell the test audience, who originally screened Back to the Future, that the movie was a comedy. So, oh. <laughs> any time that Einstein would appear on screen, uh, and when they sent Einstein through time, the audience was expecting something terrible to happen, and so you could... They could tell that the audience was just tense, super tense uh, in the cinema. Um, and then, you know, after the movie had been going for a little bit, they realized, okay, this is a comedy. Uh, nothing's going to happen to the dog.
1: Thank goodness. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Shows and, the need for that app.
1: That's absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, and he's not, uh, so Einstein's not the only dog in the series, though. There's also Copernicus, which I thought was interesting. Um, when Copernicus, so Capr- when when they go back in time, uh, they go back in time, like what, 30 years, something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it shows, it shows that there's a dog that looks exactly like Einstein, and they don't really talk about it in the first film. So in the, I think it's the third film, uh, when they uh, go back again, they had to weave into um, the the script to explain why the dog looked like it was the same, but it was actually a second dog, Copernicus.
2: Hmm. I don't remember what kind of dog that was. What kind of dog was Copernicus?
1: It's like a a mangy mutt kind of, I think a bingy dog uh, type of a thing. Um, But Megan, what else can you tell us about the Back to the Future stuff?
3: So originally uh, they wanted the dog, in the original script of the film, it was going to be a chimp named Shemp and Doc Brown was going to be <laughs> Professor Brown. Uh, and Sid Sheinberg, the head of Universal Pictures, was just like, yeah, we're not doing that. I don't like that idea. It's going to be Doc Brown, and it's going to be a dog named Einstein. Uh, he also made a couple other little changes, like uh, Marty's mother's name had originally been uh, Meg, and then Eileen, but he insisted it had to be Lorraine, because Lorraine was the name of his wife, Lorraine Gary. Um yeah. But his argument for changing the, the chimpanzee to a dog was that no film with a monkey in it ever made money. Uh, even <laughs> though right before then, uh, Clint Eastwood had had uh, the very successful every which way but loose and any, way which, any which way you can. Uh, but Schein- movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scheinberg said that, oh, no, th- that monkey was an orangutan, not a chimp. So it's it's not going to make any money.
1: <laughs> that's, that's hilarious whatever
2: keep it simple at the end of the day right
1: mm-hmm. yeah exactly everybody loves a dog mm-hmm. exactly all right Megan I know you found a lot of really great trivia from a lot of movies that I haven't brought up yet so tell us some of your your very favorite stuff that you found out there uh so
3: I'm going to talk a little bit about uh the dog in Mad Max 2 the road warrior um mm-hmm. like uh Abby from I am legend uh Max's dog was actually, uh, the dog they found was saved from being euthanized uh, in a kennel. Um, One day before he was about to be put to sleep, uh, members of the crew had visited the shelter he was at looking for a pet to cast, and they had seen a number of dogs. Uh, He uh, stuck out immediately. Because he had picked up a rock off the ground and was just playing with it like a toy. And they realized, oh, this is a dog that can have, you know, a presence and we could train him. Um, Mad Max 2 ended up being the only film that he appeared in. Um, And then afterwards, one of the uh, crew members uh, adopted the dog.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: What kind Uh, of dog was it again? Like an Australian... Australian cattle dog. Cattle dog, okay. Yeah. Those are cool Uh, dogs. Smart. uh, uh,
3: mm Mm-hmm. Also, uh, because of the sound of the engines, upset the dog. Uh, he was—they've made some special earplugs for him, so that way uh, he would be, you know, happy on set.
1: Oh, oh that's awesome! You, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about the Harry Potter stuff that that animals, of course, uh, cannot be harmed on set. And American Humane actually goes in and and monitors those things. I wasn't there. Some. F- something from Men in Black uh, about the cockroaches?
3: Yeah, so basically whenever there are animals on set uh, on any movie uh, uh, filmed in the United States the American Humane Society sends a representative uh, to make sure that nothing inhumane is happening um, and that included the cockroaches that were in Men in Black uh, so Will Smith is actually crushing mustard packets and uh, <sighs> Instead that's of cockroaches, awesome. and at the end of the day, they had to count all the roaches and make sure none of them were missing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's oh my awesome!
1: God, that is. I'm not awesome. a
2: fan of roaches, but I am not a. I'm less a fan of animals being hurt. So that's good to know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And wasn't there some other interesting stuff about the the bugs and stuff? Uh, the uh, something about the 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 bug when he's when he kills. Uh, You know, there's a sound of a cat. (laughs) Yeah. So, um,
3: after the Edgar bug kills the Arquillians in the diner, he leaves the restaurant and walks down the sidewalk. And the camera cuts back uh, to the cats in the restaurant, where we hear the cat growl. Uh, So, the cat's growl is actually a sound effect from the zombie monster in the 1996 PC game, Quake. Oh, my God. That's hilarious.
1: (laughs) What about uh, another Men in Black, uh, the pug, who was actually my favorite uh, character in the entire movie, Frank? Uh,
3: so in Men in Black 2, they used the same pug uh, to play Frank. Uh, but since the pug was now seven years old, they had to use makeup to hide the gray fur around its nose.
2: I was really bothered in the scenes where Tommy Lee Jones was shaking that pug like a madman. And I was hoping, is that a doll? But I don't. I couldn't tell if it was or not but it seemed like you was shaking it really hard. Is there any trivia on that at all?
3: Uh, there isn't. Um, I, I actually... Also, okay, go ahead, Megan. Um, for Frank fans who were disappointed that he wasn't in Men in Black 3, uh, you can still see his picture in two places. Uh, there's a picture of Frank in, in Jay's apartment and a carnival poster at, uh, at Coney Island when Jay is pulled over.
1: Yeah, and I read somewhere that, that uh, Frank was quite wiggly, and so they, one of the tricks that you use when you're doing uh, stage combat, is that you let the actor that is actually being attacked lead the action um, for um, for you know when, when violence is being put upon them. So they're actually doing the movement, and then the perpetrator is. So know, Tommy's
2: just guiding him, but yeah,
1: exactly. The
2: doing all the wiggling and shaking Frank's himself,
1: wiggles and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I read. That 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 Frank was a wiggle wart, and they use that for that type of thing. Anything else, Megan? Any other great trivia that you uh, found in your? Study?
3: So uh, going back to the Alien series, um, Prome- the the recent film Prometheus, um, the sound designer Ann Shabeli, she recorded sounds of her pet parrot um over several weeks. And then those those noises were used in the film as uh, beeps, alarms, and the cries of Shaw's alien offspring.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: <laughs> I <gasps> love stuff like that.
1: That is really so random. random. Totally random. Well listen, uh, if there do you have anything any other great things? I think that there was a Mr. Bigglesworth uh, bit of trivia that you found?
3: There was. Uh, so like, uh According to the DVD commentary, the real name of the the Sphinx cat used for Mr. Bigglesworth was Ted Nugent,
1: as in nude gent.
3: As yes, as in nude gent. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> Wait, I'm drawing a blank on Bigglesworth.
1: Oh, uh, um, awesome powers, the Dr. Oh. Evil, right? He has the thank the- you. I was yeah. totally
2: drawing a blank on that. There he is. I had to jump online and look.
1: Okay, so last but not least, Megan, um, I'm going to ask you to talk about uh, the thing. Now, before we get starting to talk about the thing, uh, those of you who know me personally or who have read my blog know that this is one science fiction film that I abhor. Um, I've I've mentioned it before. It, it, as a, a movie that I literally walked out of, I have no idea how it ends uh, because of something that happens to the dog. The dog and, lives. Um, uh, no, your <laughs> dog
5: doesn't. I know it doesn't
1: talk. <laughs> but, I'm trying to give you uh, hope. No, there is no hope. Um, but uh, Megan, I believe you had some interesting tri- trivia that might, frankly, make me feel a little bit better um, uh, about what happens to the dog.
3: So, uh, the dog that was used in the film is named Jed. He's a half-wolf, half-malamute, um, and was an excellent actor. Um, although the thing, I believe, is his only credit. Um, let's see. Uh, the dog... Jed is not the dog that's in the beginning chase scene, though. That is another dog that they painted to look like Jed. Um. Painted him. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Also, the actor Peter Maloney in the film—he was actually scared of dogs, um, and found it difficult to shoot the scene where the dog jumps up at him in the film's opening. But he uh, got through it. But he got through it. <laughs>
1: exactly. And they still—they still ended up. The poor dog ended up turning into the thing, but that's okay. All right. Well, uh, tell you what, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this segment here. Thank you so much, Megan, for sharing this fabulous trivia with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, um, Folks that were listening, you've got some now some really random information that you can share (laughs) with your friends at parties. Uh, I'm asking Tom to stick around. We're going to switch gears. We're going to go a little a uh, little bit more serious for the next little bit. Uh, we have another day that's coming up this month that is all about protecting ourselves on the Internet. And I've asked Tom to stick around for our last segment to talk about that. So hang tight. We'll be right back after a short break on Pet Lover Geek.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Why do some people seemingly make the same mistakes when it comes to love and relationships? What is the best way to find love? Make a visit each week to Destination Love. Host Shelley Pumphrey will bring what you need to know to find love. No, it's not about the next fad, dating site tips, scoring the first day, or looking your best. Rather, it's empowerment, knowing that your authentic self works best and the science behind finding love. Destination Love is live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
4: Stimulating talk it gets those synapses
2: in your brain firing really fast.
4: All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is
0: Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. 472 Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, pet lovers. For the first two segments, we got really geeky-goofy because we were celebrating National Days of Science Fiction and Trivia. But there is a day that's coming up later in January that is not trivial at all all. It's called National Protect Your Data Day. And with all the really great websites and apps that we've mentioned continually on this show, I thought it would be a really good idea to stop and talk a bit about how to keep your personal identifiable information safe while using all those great tools that we share with you. So I've asked Tom Arnold to stick around and he's going to chat with us for the next little bit um, because it's actually an area of expertise for him. So Tom, I want you to give us a, a high level on how does a person really understand whether or not they're on a secure website, something that isn't sure. going to be putting us at risk personally.
2: Sure. Well, yeah. Um... You know, the, the Internet's been likened to much like the Wild West, um, uh, or it was. Um, and it's not as much that anymore, but it certainly isn't tamed. Um, there are people that are out there that are trying to do things anywhere from causing simple mischief to flat-out theft of your personal information. And as you said, you called it personally identifiable information. When you get into Microsoft and different companies like that, they refer to it as PII. Um, Huge topic because it can be anything from malicious software to phishing, denial of service attacks, and so on. And of course, the industry's been trying to remedy all of these issues by adding in network security layers, internet Protocol security, security tokens, encryption, firewalls with packet filters, stateful packet inspection, antivirus software, password managers, security suites, and on and on and on.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So that like just took us a lot deeper <laughs> into, into tech speak <laughs> that i think yes. a lot of us understand so let's let's just take it a step back right. remember remember that that everybody else that's on here are, are not computer science majors Sorry. So take, <laughs> it's all good could take <laughs> us back a couple steps uh, all right tell yeah tell us what a com- typical user can do
2: all right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean, clearly i love this stuff so it's it's hard for me not to go into that detail but thanks for keeping me on target so First and easiest step to take when using a browser, for example, is looking for that little padlock that appears next to where you type in your website's name, Uh, everybody should be familiar with. And what that padlock is telling you is that that website has at least some level of protection to create an encrypted connection between your computer and the website's computer. So if you don't see that, that, it means that anything you type and send or submit is in what's called clear text or sent in the clear. That means no encryption has been applied. And the problem with that is that the majority of our networks are essentially party lines, meaning anyone can see what data you're sending and receiving if you have the right software installed.
1: Right. So it's like you're in a long hallway with a lot of open doors. And then I yell down to you, hey, here's my email address. And oh, by the way, my phone number. And oh, here's a credit card so you can buy me that thing. And then I I think that other people are ignoring me because I said, hey, Tom, but in reality, they could write down everything I just said.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. Um, Now. You yelled If you yelled something like that down the hallway in our own made-up language, or even if, uh, even if somebody did try to listen in, then they wouldn't know what we were saying to each other. That's the encryption part. Right. So with the padlock icon on your browser, that's telling you that your computer and the website's computer have established that encrypted connection with each other. All the major browsers support this too, including Firefox, Internet Explorer, Microsoft's new Edge browser, the uh, uh, Google Chrome, and so on. It's referred to as an SSL certific- certificate, a secure socket layer, sorry, and it's purchased by um, by the website, and it's from somebody uh, who is doing what's what's called an, a certificate authority. And you can click on that padlock if you're really curious about it, and you can actually see where the website purchased that SSL certificate from.
1: I, I got to ask you something. Who, who gives these certificate authority places the authority? Do, do they just trusted entities or what?
2: Right. It's it's Well, It's there's a number of them out there. There's DigiCert, RapidSSL, Symantec, Komodo, GoDaddy, and Trust, TrustWave, GlobalSign, and things like that. And so, yes, there is... There is a, a national authority, and it just popped out of my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> it's all I know I just put you on the spot there, and it's it's going a little bit into the the nerdy the nerdy weeds again. But with, that's cool. I just that's I think sorry. for a lot of us, a lot of us, it's important that like. So who says that it's it's the the authority on this? But as long as it, it is something that is a main standard authority that all of these other companies are working through, right?
2: Right. Right. And getting to the simplest thing, you're just looking for that padlock. And if you really want to put your favorite website through its paces, there's some other there's another tool out there you might have fun playing with. It's called SSL Labs, L A B S dot com. It's a third-party tool. If you type in the web, uh, web address of the site that you want to test, it'll come out with a ton of information and a really nice report showing their encryption level, what software versions they're running, if it's up to date, and all that kind of fun, geeky stuff.
1: That's the thing that you showed me that you did with PetHub, right? And you guys get a pretty high score.
2: Right. Yeah, we got the A+. Plus. That's the highest level you can get. And so definitely, we worked hard to get that.
1: Right, and then I, I actually went and I was like, huh, I wonder. And I put in a couple of the other websites I use, and one of the websites I use gets a D, which made me immediately, frankly, not trust them as much. But that, yeah. So that's a really good one, and I'll make sure I, I share that tool uh, with our, our listeners uh, online. Okay, so I'm on a website now. I'm setting up an account, and I want to type in my email address. I probably have to do a username or something, and then I have to do some kind of password. And a lot of these ones, they show you, you know, uh, you know Poor, fair, good, strong. Some of them won't yeah. even you put it in unless it's strong. So, what do I need to do to make that strong password?
2: Right, and I've actually been surprised by some of these sites where I can type in one password on website, one website that says strong, and I can go to another one that says really weak. <laughs> and it's the same password. So uh, the the longer and less predictable, the better. So don't use personal information that people can figure out by having a conversation with you. Um, this is what they call social engineering. So where they can actually casually work into a conversation, your mother's maiden name or what the street was that you grew up on or the city you were born in. You
1: or know, your pick, pet's name.
2: Or your pet's name. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Pick something that's unrelated, but that you can remember.
1: So, like, and and I've also uh, I use personally um, with my random words uh, substituting letters uh, and numbers, like a, right. a zero for an O and a, right. one, for or an a L. one
2: for an L. Right, exactly. Or a dollar sign for the S. That kind of thing. Um, that can definitely help put up roadblocks for the casual person who's attempting to guess your password. But if it's just a single word. With those substitutions, that's the first thing a hacker will try. And there's a lot of these password cracking programs that are out there. And what they do is they cycle through common words found in a dictionary because you can, you know, it's pretty easy to find uh, those kinds of words. And then just cycle through it, attempting all the variations on capitalizations of the letters, on doing a letter number, punctuations, mark substitutions, things like that.
1: So a single word is bad, even if it's like a really long, supercladio, you know, super. Califregulistic, Califregulistic. <laughs> word. I mean, even if it's like some huge long word.
2: Even if it's that quite atrocious, yes. It's, <laughs> it's a known quote unquote word. So experts suggest using phrases or creating your own compound words. Another approach is taking an obscure phrase you can remember and using the first letter of each word from that phrase. So I love pet hub uh, would become I L P H, but I suggest a longer phrase. You can even throw in some numbers up in lowercase letters and punctuation marks as, as you do um, to make it more interesting. But at the end of the day, the longer the password and the more random it is, the harder it is to crack. And the trick is making sure we can remember it when it's time to type it in.
1: Right. Like I love Pet Hub. Nice <laughs> plug there. <laughs> um, so um, so I All can right. even use phrases from like movies or favorite poems or something like that. So a dark and stormy night or Houston, we have a problem or yeah. some, something else like that.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I've even seen people use a word or phrase that's easy to type, but they shift their hands on the keyboard slightly so that the letters they're typing make no sense. But they're touch typing their word or phrase but intentionally in the wrong hand position
1: Mm, that's right interesting and and about your point earlier about social engineering um, it doesn't always have to be a conversation someone has with you to get that data does it
2: no no it doesn't I'm shocked at how much people put out the put out about themselves on sites like Facebook Uh, and I you know I've been guilty of doing that very thing myself. I mean, you see it in the news all the time about how people talk about being on vacation, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: their public profile shows their address or a way uh, to figure out their address.
1: Oh, yeah. And I've also seen people showing pictures of themselves at their brand new house and it's got their house number behind them. <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. That's a perfect example. Now, how, to tra- how this translates to pets is having a photo that shows their ID tag with a person's name and phone number on it. Mm. that's not needed in a photo so it's worth fuzzing it out or if it's easy to do at the time you're taking the photo adjusting the tag or the collar and a quick quick side story on this is when we're uh, when we were first starting pet hub and we're getting feedback from people about their current id tags we found that younger women didn't put their phone numbers on pets ids um uh because and instead they'd put like a, a vet's or a friend's number on the tag instead. And this was to avoid what we came up with her the term as being the creepy guy in the dog park scenario where a strange guy comes up to them, pets their dog while reaching down and getting the phone number off the ID tag.
1: Uh yeah, that's super creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and because then not only has my dog's name, he has my phone number, and, and if, if at any point of the conversation he introduced himself, he might even have my name, too, and then yee.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's got all that information from a very simple conversation and reaching down and looking at your ID tag, and that's why we were really careful to make sure people – can show or hide whatever information they want uh, to on their pet up ID tags while also keeping it encrypted and protected. So even if the phone number is hidden, when the tag is scanned, uh, our call center can see the multiple emergency numbers that you put on there for your, your new neighbor or your siblings or your spouse. And we won't give that information out. And instead we bridge that call. We make a connection between the person who found your dog and then the person who answered the phone off of your mm-hmm. safe list.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: um, so that's that's basically how we do that.
1: Well, and that, that brings up a really good point, Tom, because like things like Pet Hub or your microchip company or any of those things that are to get the pet home, obviously you're giving some pretty personal identifiable information to those companies because they're getting your dog home. So they have a lot of your... Uh, you know, address and phone information. Right. So what kind of information though, let's say, to take out the stuff that's trying to get your lost pet home. What kind of information should you be expected to give to a web- website or more importantly, what shouldn't I provide to a website that for my pets?
2: Right. It, like anything, it always comes down to common sense, right? So it comes down to just thinking through why do they really need this information from me? And mm-hmm. if I agree that I think that that makes sense for them to have that information about me. Um, For example, I cannot think of why a pet site like ours or anyone's would need my social security number.
1: Um,
2: I do think, as is the case with a service like Pet Hub, that they need your phone number and the numbers of others who are fellow caretakers of your pet, but it comes down to making sure that you feel comfortable with that website, looking at their privacy policy, which is usually found in links at the bottom of the page, things like that. How are they going to use that information? And we're very clear that we only use the phone numbers and things to help a pet get home, that, that we can reach people quickly. Um, but a physical address, that's optional on our site. We, we don't need that. People provide it, and it helps because then we can, if uh, if somebody's uh, tag falls off but they report the pet missing, we can search for things that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you buy something on a site, certainly it's going to need to provide credit card, info, billing address, and even a mailing address if it's different.
1: Well, and a lot of times that information isn't stored on a website. And a lot of places when you're buying something, they'll tell you, we're not storing this information. But what about the information that is stored on the website?
2: Right, right. Some of it is like the phone number, but um, a website using good security practices like we do won't store credit card information. What we do, for example, is we transmit the card information to what's known as a credit card gateway, who then processes that card in cooperation with your bank. We never see it, or we we don't even store your credit card information other than the last four digits. And once that charge is is successful, we receive back what's called a SIM or a CIM. It's the Customer Information Management number. Sorry, too much again. But... If it's a subscription that's purchased, we only send that unique ID back along with our own identifiable thing about Pet Hub. and that's how we do the renewal charge. But we never store or see that credit card number.
1: Right, and that's how – I think a lot of websites do use it that way. And, and if you don't see the lock, if you don't see that they're using a secured portal for purchasing things, just walk away from that. Um, But there are other things that can be dangerous out there with the internet, particularly like emails that appear to be from a trusted, like you just signed up for this great, cool pet food thing or something like that. And you get an email and you're like, oh, this is from this new pet food thing I've got. Um, But sometimes it takes us to things that are a little bit scary. How do we know whether it's a good email or a dangerous email?
2: Right. Those are called phishing emails. Um, It's spelled weird, phishing, Ph. I I won't go into detail about where that came from, but anyway, it usually has a weird attachment on it or a link that's getting you to go do something. Sometimes it's a letter from a rich person in another country trying to get you to help them with the right. transfer of their right. inheritance or it's a PDF file that's been attached or whatever. But the short solution is pause, look at it, use your head, decide if what you're seeing really is something that mm-hmm. you asked for. And it's a link you know, don't click on it. You can hover over it and see if it's going to the right place. But the common sense part is if it's your credit card company freaking out about something, look on the back of your card, call the phone number that's on the back right. of the card. Don't do what they tell you to do.
1: Right. Good stuff, Tom. Thank you so much for helping us keep our pets safe and and getting them home fast, but also keeping our information safe on the internet. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. That's all we have time for today. Uh, Thanks again to Megan Servan coming on earlier with us and geeking out. And of course, Tom, who just geeked out with us here. Come back and see us next week on Pet Lover Geek, where we're going to talk about the newest, hottest tech gadgets for pets at CES. Looking forward to seeing you next week on Pet Lover Geek.